Hello and welcome to the Traffic and Leads Podcast, where the solution to your slow growth is just one click away. Online marketing expert Lindsay Anderson, known internationally as One Click Lindsay, and her dedicated online marketing specialists at trafficandleads.com know that today's growing businesses thrive on targeted website traffic that converts into leads with just one click. Whether your business is struggling right now or your thriving business needs even more fuel for growth, you've come to the right place. So sit back and get ready to learn how to grow your business one click at a time. Please welcome your host of the Traffic and Leads podcast, One Click Lindsay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Traffic and Leads podcast. I am your host, One Click Lindsay, and on today's episode, we have a positioning expert, and that is so important when both generating traffic and leads for your small business because you need to be positioned well in order to do either of those things successfully. So let me tell you about our expert today. His name is Philip Morgan, and he specializes in helping technical firms and development shops generate and close more leads. Unlike other marketers, he uses hypersensitive uh, hyper-specific positioning, education-based content marketing, and marketing automation to make that happen. He's written a really awesome book called The Positioning Manual, and he also hosts a weekly podcast called The Consulting Pipeline Podcast, which has been featured in iTunes' top best new businesses and marketing category. So this guy knows how to position a, position a small business, and so we are going to ask him a ton of questions today. Welcome, Philip, to the Traffic and Leads Podcast. Thank you. So glad to be here, Lindsay. Yeah. Did I miss anything in my intro that you wanted to throw in there? Nope. Okay, sweet. <laughs> you covered all the bases. Thank you. <laughs> all right. So let's just dive into your book real quick. Tell me, tell me about your book, why you felt like it was important, and maybe a few lessons from it that we can kind of chat about. So I've now written uh, two books. Oh. <laughs> one, one is sort of in beta, and so that's why it's not really showing up on anybody's radar. So I've written two books on positioning, and the reason I did that was because I have a background as a content marketer, and, uh, and I'll kind of connect the dots here in a moment. Uh, one of the best things content marketing can do for any business is generate new leads, right? Right. Um, it demonstrate credibility, build trust, and thereby get people to turn from kind of an anonymous site visitor into someone you have an email address for and some contact information for. So I was doing that somewhat unsuccessfully in oh, that I, nice. I was, you know, yeah, I was writing uh, content for my clients and it was really good content, but it just wasn't doing the, the job that I think it needed to do of getting them new leads. So I started to, you know, try to figure out why that was. And most of the time, it turned out that it was poorly positioned content. And so that's what got me interested in positioning. I, you know, I also uh, was in a mastermind, or still I'm in a, in a mastermind group, sort of an online group of other business owners who meet periodically and uh, hang out in a chat room together. And, the, you know, the subject came up in there as well. And I just uh, became obsessed <laughs> with the whole concept of narrowing your focus and it, it, at the time, to me, that seemed just so uh, sort of paradoxical and counterintuitive and weird and scary. And I find that it's th exactly that way for a lot of people. Uh, so I just learned everything I could about it and ended up writing a book as a way to help other people understand this very, what I think is a very important concept. It, it certainly applies to content marketing, but it goes beyond that as well. So that's why I wrote the book. That sounds very interesting. So... When you say positioning, how is that different than, say, like differentiation? Are you saying the same thing? 
like making yourself different? You know, it's, it's similar and uh, different from differentiation. <laughs> so <laughs> That's it's, a it's complex a very, sentence. Okay. Yeah, it's a very related concept. In um, when the concept of positioning was originally sort of defined in the 70s and 80s by uh, two men, Jack Trout and Al Reese, they wrote a book called Positioning the Battle for Your Mind. And their way of defining positioning is worth understanding for your, for your listeners. Um, it, I think it's not quite as relevant to the world of professional services, which is where I'm trying to make a difference. It's more relevant to the world of products and big brands. But their definition was positioning is owning a word in the mind. And the, the example I always love to go to for that is, um, and we'll just do this live. We, we've not prepared this. Lindsay, when you think of cars and safety, uh, who do you think of or what company do you think of? Uh, uh, Honda, I guess. Okay. Most people answer that question differently. <laughs> so tell me what you think about this. Most people will say Volvo. Oh. Because for years, uh, I think they've kind of gotten away from this in recent years, but for just for decades, Volvo were, were these ugly, boxy cars that were not sexy, but they were safe, right? People thought of them as, mm -hmm. wow, that's a safe car. If you're going to crash, you know, you want to be in a Volvo because they've designed and engineered their cars for safety. So um, I'm not much of a car gal. So you'll have, you asked the wrong person. That I did. I picked the, well, I picked a bad example for our conversation, <laughs> but I think, you know, for a lot of listeners, they're going to say, yeah, that's, that's who I thought of was Volvo. Because that company for a long time said, we're going to own that word in the mind. We're going to own the word safety and people are going to think of us. That works for a company that makes, you know, gazillions of dollars a year and can and has a global advertising budget. But for somebody like myself, I'm a solo business owner, sort of a solo consultant. And I imagine like many of your listeners who are running maybe a small business, you just can't have that sort of uh, global reach and you can't just own one word. So. For people like that, I think of positioning as having a, just a perfect alignment between some problem that your client will pay top dollar to solve and the singular focus of your marketing message. Okay. Can you give me an example of one of your clients and, and their niche? Is it, is it the same as niche? Is niche a good word to use too? It is. Uh, you know, when you position yourself, of course, you can position yourself as a generalist and you can say, you know, I'll do anything for anybody. Got a website? No problem. You, you want to do some marketing? No problem. But what I mean by positioning is narrowing your focus so that you get that perfect alignment. Because if you have a really broad focus, it's hard for anybody to think of you as the ideal solution to any kind of problem. Mm -hmm. They just... You don't bubble up on their radar because you haven't focused down to sort of a narrow singular focus. So the example that I think a lot of people can identify with is um, some friends of mine, Michael and Travis. They have a company that uh, for a long time just did any kind of WordPress uh, web design you needed. So if you needed a website and you were going to use WordPress, you know, they, they were sort of set up to be WordPress generalists. And they, about a year, a year and a half ago, um, narrowed their focus to just a particular type of uh, WordPress technology, which is membership sites. So these are uh, companies like Dollar Shave Club or Nerd Fitness, where you pay a subscription to get access to either a product or information or some private membership area, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they specialize just in that kind of site. And that is an example of moving from a, you know, a generalist, we'll do any kind of WordPress site to we just you know, help one kind of business 
which is membership sites. And uh, their sales went up by 48%, and they now spend a lot less effort trying to acquire new clients and actually spend a lot more time saying no <laughs> to clients that are not quite ideal clients for them. That's awesome. Yeah. And you would recommend that across any spectrum, web developer or like any general business, would you say? Well, I, Or is I this your specialty, so you're only willing to comment on it? You know, that's, that's a great question. The concept is broadly applicable. The concept of positioning applies to, you know, any anything from a big product business to a small services business. I do sort of uh, hold back from trying from being super dogmatic about it because uh, some people can make all almost anything work. You know, maybe you have a, a really big network of business and so you're happy being a generalist and you're not running into the problems that I ran into where my attempts to get new business were really futile because I just, I, I couldn't sort of penetrate anybody's mind with, with a very sharply focused message. And so, you know, I was always scrambling for work and, and it was kind of low rate work. So the key for me uh, to get out of that situation was narrowing my focus. But I, I just want to say that I know th there are situations where that's maybe not the right strategy. Uh, in particular, that would be people who are brand new to working for themselves. Sometimes it's good for them to spend a year or two as a generalist to just kind of get to understand this new, uh, sometimes terrifying world that they're in called self-employment. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes they just, they need to sort of get a broad base of knowledge so that they can make a good decision about how to narrow down. So again, I don't want to come across like, you know, the dogmatic positioning guy, but that said, it is an excellent, excellent tool that I think is a big force multiplier for people who are kind of up at some kind of ceiling in their business. Like they can't start to get enough new leads coming in or they can't seem to raise their rate past a certain point. Oftentimes specializing is, is the way to get past that ceiling. That's awesome. Um, I totally agree. So do you have any tips and tricks on small to, that you'd give to small business owners on how, how to decide what that niche is and who to serve? I do. The first thing I, I think I w would want to say to anybody is tr don't make this any harder on yourself than it needs to be. <laughs> so I, a lot of people say just exactly what you said, Lindsay. They're like, wow, that sounds great. I agree. This is what I need to be doing. What's the next step? And the next step usually brings up a lot of fear and uncertainty. And I, it did for me too. So I, I've been there. I understand this. So just know that it's very natural once once you've been kind of a generalist and once you're, you know, have been running your business or, be, or have been self-employed for a couple of years, you you have a lot to lose. And you feel like if you make the wrong choice about how to narrow down your focus, that you're going to lose, uh, you know, a lot of things potentially, potential revenue, uh, you know, maybe worse than that. So it's very natural to feel some trepidation and concern about doing this. The, the easiest place to start is to narrow down to a single market vertical or audience. So there's a couple things you could narrow down. You could narrow down who, who you focus on serving, and you could also narrow down what kind of things you do for them, right? And then finally, you could try to differentiate yourself from other people who do something very similar to what you do, other, you know, freelancers or other companies. And all three of those are valid ways to start to position yourself. But the very easiest is to pick an audience or a market vertical. And I say that because you don't have to make more complex sort of strategic decisions about your service offerings. If, you know, if, if you're providing some kind of service, you, 
ultimately you want to narrow down the services you provide to what's the highest profit or what's the easiest to sell or, you know, whatever is sort of the best fit for who you work with. Doing that just makes everything more efficient and profitable. That makes but, sense. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also, that's for a lot of people, that's kind of the more complex decision to make. Like, um, you know, they, and it kind of, they get, uh, a lot of that gets wrapped up in their sense of who they are as a person. You know, I work with software developers a lot and, um, rightly so they sort of pride themselves on what they know and their skills. And when they start to market themselves, they make the mistake of like doing a bullet list of like 20 things they can do. Right. Which it is a real asset that they can do those things, but it's also a terrible way to market yourself because people just look at a bullet list of 20 things and their eyes kind of glaze over and they yeah. just, they don't know what, well, what is it you're doing for me? So, um, that's why I encourage people not to start by narrowing down what they do because that's more, that's harder and more challenging. I think it's better to narrow down who you're focused on serving and then what happens after you do that for a couple months, uh, maybe, you know, six or 12 months is like magic. It, so that's an important point I also want to bring out is uh, positioning takes time to deliver results. It, it does not happen overnight. It's not just, you know, you snap your fingers and change a couple words on your website and poof, you start <laughs> getting all these amazing benefits. It does take time just because it takes time for people to become aware of the, these changes that you've made. So do you recommend that we select who to serve and then we start content marketing to that crowd and blogging and videoing on topics that they, issues that they're having? Is that, then is that what we do next? Basically, yes. So let's say that, you know, you're, you're like Travis and Michael from the earlier example and you, you'll do a WordPress website for anybody and you make that difficult decision of deciding who it is you're going to focus on and, and you pick a either an audience or a market vertical to focus on. The next step would be to start to change your marketing to speak directly to that audience or market vertical. So you would, yeah, you know, exactly as you suggested, Lindsay, you would start creating content that's really geared towards that, uh, that type of clients or that type of customers needs. And just that one change alone usually makes most people's content marketing dramatically more effective when they stop writing to just anybody who would read it and they start reading to or start writing or creating content for a particular type of listener or reader it becomes more effective it becomes more interesting and it also becomes more polarizing right and that's yeah. that's why people fear doing this is they they're like well i don't want to um tripping over my words here but, but they say i don't want to alienate anybody that's usually how people phrase it and um, I'm sorry, you just, you can't have it both ways. You can't have really effective content marketing that doesn't make about 70% of the people go, you know what? Uh, that's not for me. Not interested. No, thanks. Yeah. Exactly. So what do you say to those people that are like, well, I'm scared. I'm scared to alienate all these people. Are you just the cheerleader? Is that part of your job description? I say, first of all, I've been there too. Um, you're not alone. Everybody gets afraid of saying no for the first time when they, when they feel like their business depends on them saying yes to everybody. So just know that we all deal with that. I, what I do is I try to show them examples of people who are making, you know, uh, rates that are double or triple their hourly rate or yeah. their effective hourly rate 
Uh, and I do that, you know, through my podcast and through my own content marketing, because I am sort of a cheerleader for this idea. I mean, I'll definitely uh, admit that. I, I try to be sort of fair and balanced about it, but uh, I think it's just such a powerful tool that I can't help but be a little bit of a cheerleader about it. So I will show uh, success stories. And then the last thing I do is really try to break it down so the change is very small and incremental. It's not a big overnight change, because I think that's what really brings up the fear, rightly so, because most people know that they're not great at change, <laughs> even if they want to be great at it. It's just hard. So I, you know, you break it down into the smallest thing possible. What's the smallest possible change we could make that would make a difference in your marketing? Is it maybe just building one lead magnet that's designed for this new focus mm. that you have and testing that and seeing, and then, you know, that could be a good first step that's much, much smaller than rework your entire marketing, right? Changing your company name. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so those are really the three things. You're not alone. Um, I forget what the second one was. And the third one is just <laughs> make, make the change really small and incremental. I think your second one was examples, which is super yeah. powerful too. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, sure. Um, okay. So one of the chapters in your book um, is identifying expensive problems within your target market. I really like the way you worded that. So talk to me about that. So I, I think when I try to think back about sort of the origin of this idea of an expensive problem, a, a lot of it has to do with um, if, if folks want like one recommendation that they could read, they've probably heard it before, but uh, Sean D'Souza's book, The Brain Audit, to me is it's if you only ever read one book about how to create a marketing message and how to write a sales copy or have a sales presentation, that would be the book I'd recommend because it's so accessible. It's so much simpler than a lot of the books on copywriting that I see people recommend. And uh, it just breaks things down into sort of a repeatable formula. And the very first thing that he says is that you have to grab people's attention with a description of a problem. A lot of us want to think in terms of product benefits and solutions. And you, you eventually need to know what those are. But the way that I, I believe, and, and Sean D'Souza really advocates, that's more effective for getting people's attention, which is part of the process of, process of getting more leads, right, is to hook them with a problem. So do you have this one specific problem? And so that's really, I think, where people need to start is trying to identify the problem that they're there to solve. And so that's half of that idea of an expensive problem. The other half is the word expensive. People live with all kinds of problems in their life. Uh, you know, that mess in the extra bedroom that they're never going to clean up. It's a problem. They would call it, they would say, yeah, that's a problem, but they're never going to spend any time or money uh, on solving it. it right. Mm -hmm. So what you need to do is look at all the problems your ideal client has in their business and narrow down the ones that are expensive, painful, or urgent or make a really big difference in their profitability or their revenue and try to find some overlap between what you can do really well and those kind of problems. So that's really a little bit more about what an expensive problem is. The other thing that I just have to say is the person who defines an expensive problem is not you, it's your client. They get to decide. They get to decide. Clients are always in charge. <laughs> they really are. And, and guess what? You might think they need a brand new website, but if that's not a, a problem that's on their radar, good luck getting them to invest in a brand new website. True. True. Um, wow. Okay. So that's really good. So 
tell me, I know you have a list in your back pocket of tools for estimating the size of a target market. I do. Um, it's, <laughs> there's a couple that I would recommend. Um, one, and by the way, <laughs> I can't help but say this. You can't do this as a generalist. You can't estimate the size of your target market. What's well, the whole world, Philip? Everyone right. needs websites. Right, exactly. So <laughs> this is one of the benefits of, of identifying a, a market vertical or an, or an audience to go after is you finally start to say, oh, gosh, I know who I'm trying to sell to. So um, there are tools like LinkedIn, Zoom Info, Leads 411. These are all websites. Uh, I'm, I'm sure everybody's heard of LinkedIn. Uh, not sure if they've heard of the, of the second two. But these are all websites where you can start to search through databases based on pretty specific job descriptions. And you can kind of get a sense of how many, you know, how many uh, vice presidents in charge of, uh, you know, marketing at a certain type of company are there. And then you can start to compare different potential niches to see which one. And here's the other thing that people should really pay attention to. Not which one is big enough for you, but which one is small enough for you. Uh, I say that because, well, I mean, there's this saying, it's much easier to make the pond smaller than the fish bigger, right? When you become a big fish in a small pond, most people are like, oh, my company's, I I fear that my company's never going to be able to grow. But what they realize is getting from where you are now to being a big fish in a, in any kind of pond is probably not as easy as you think it is. Much easier to go after a small pond and become a big fish in that small pond and then later upgrade the size of the pond. By, okay, so how small of a pond am I going for? Well, uh, I would say what you need to do is set your sights on being a leader in your niche or your market that you're going after. And that would mean that you own about 30% or more, but uh, somewhere around 30% of that market. So think about it this way. I'll do some quick math for you. I'm just a solo guy at the, you know, the sort of the rates I have and, and the way I work. For me, 10 clients a year would be, in some years, a lot, right? So I know some people serve many more clients or they run a company that has bigger scale. But for me, 10 clients would be a lot. Okay. Let's say that every company out there that I could help only needs my help once every five years. So in a year, (laughs) I uh, could, could serve like a fifth of that market. And if I had... 10 clients every year, I would eventually, you know, have, uh, let's see, I'm trying to do the math here in my head. Well, again, 10 Just clients. Just say XYZ clients. That's what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're better at this than me. I have this written down, but it, it's, uh, it, it kind of breaks, it breaks down when I do it live. But anyway, um, 10 clients, if there was a, if the market was 50 companies, then I would own that market because, again, I can only serve 10 a year and they only need my help once every five years. So if the market was 50 companies, I would own it. I only need to own like 30% of it. So that would be a market of 150 companies. You, most sense. people have no idea how tiny, tiny, tiny a market that is. Uh, one of my favorite examples is a company that uh, reviews the invoices that are done by forklift repair companies to make sure those invoices are not overcharging. And they have a, they have a business that uh, is at over a million years, a million dollars a year in revenue. Now that's a niche right there. And that kind of, that's the kind of niche that I'm talking about. Now, again, I'm, my example is for solo people who are at a very low client volume and a high ticket price. 
Uh, if your numbers are different, you would need to adjust accordingly. But that's what I mean when I say you, what you're really doing is making sure the market's small enough, not making sure it's it's big enough. Because if you can become a leader in the market, you get all kinds of free stuff. You get press coming to you for quotes. You get conferences coming to you asking for you to speak uh, and a bunch of other stuff that is essentially free business development help that you get when you're the leader in a market. So that's really the goal of positioning is to go after a market that's so small and do it so well that you can become the leader in that market. I like it. So when you put it that way, with numbers that small, in my head, I was like, oh, well, there's plenty of those that no one is in or taking over. So is it really that easy? I mean, like I can think of a hundred now and I bet there isn't like a a master of any of them. Is that is that the case or am I oversimplifying it? Nope. It, now, it, it's not that easy. I mean, it's that simple. It's not that easy <laughs> okay. because what you have to do is, you know, make those progressive incremental changes so that you're not uh, like kind of killing the business you have today to build the business you want tomorrow. Yeah. So you have to make that transition, which is not not easy. It takes a lot of uh, courage. It takes a lot of um, sort of follow through on your goals. But it, it really is that simple. Wow. Okay. So um, I have two more questions. I only have five more minutes. But first question is, so if I'm ready to uh, target a niche of, you know, whatever, people who love dogs, whatever, Mm -hmm. Do I start a new company brand and go buy a new domain name and create a new company name? Or is it that my company becomes that? It could be either. It really depends. Isn't it on safer it. to go the, the, to create a new name and everything and keep it like separate from your current company? Is that safer? Yeah, it can be, but it's also more work, which is sort of the downside. It can be safer. It really depends on how big the transition is. So, uh, you know, my previous example of Travis and Michael, uh, their company, by the way, is called Member Up. They just kind of did an overnight trans, trans, uh, transition and they had a new website, which they'd been developing on a staging server. And then, you know, one day that was their website and that was their new focus. Wow. And that's worked, worked fine for them. If you, here's the thing, if you're kind of going for a subset of your current customers, so if you have, you know, 10 different kind of customers and you're focusing on a smaller group to narrow your focus, it's probably fine to just update your website and just, uh, of course, involve your current clients and let them know say, you know, we're going to be here for you for the next year and we'll help you find a new, you know, service provider, whatever. Make sure you involve them. But you can probably just do what I'd call an in-place sort of upgrade of your positioning and your messaging. If you're going for a wildly different market, I do the sort of secondary or parallel brand, parallel website, which is more work, but it's also going to be less shocking to your current clients. Yeah. So um, do you help people? So when they come to you, you help them find that niche or is it something that you feel they need to have a particular passion or like a developer can pretty much develop anything, right? Do they have to have a particular passion for membership sites? One of the biggest things is your, your current level of access. So I, I do help people through this process. Um, I, I don't say, well, I'm going to pick a, you know, a niche for you and you have to go with it whether you like it or not. Right. <laughs> Well, I, I won't go there. <laughs> so that might work out better for some people. Um, but here, here's the thing is um, what what makes professional services successful is access to clients. And, and then beyond that, having a good marketing message and actually being good at what you do also matter. But having access to potential clients is sort of the number one thing. So I try to help people sort of map out where do you have more access to clients? Where do you have more connections? And is that someplace you'd like to go as a focus and a specialty? 
If not, then we need to kind of go a little, you know, a step back in the process and find out what you're interested in, what you're, what would be emotionally sustainable for you over the long term, because you don't want to pick working with the kind of client that you hate or just don't get along with. So I do try to help people through that process. It is, it's a process of discovery of about themselves and their own personality and their own desires. And it's also a process of discovery about what their clients really need and what that, what that expensive problem is. That makes so sense. It is definitely a process. It's, you know, it's not something you do just in a, in a one hour workshop. Willy nilly. Okay. Um, final question. And I do have to fit this in because I have been wanting to ask you this. So okay. most of my listeners are very like, we're all into it. We all under, not all, but I'm hoping that they are understanding the importance of list building and, and how important that is for content marketing and building your client base. So you have a blog post called the journey from 121 to 1,016 list subscribers. Can you sum up that blog post in a minute or less? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Let me think about this. For just, uh, or I'll you take, can pass. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll take five of those uh, 60 seconds to think about <laughs> how, to, how to sum this up. I tried a lot of stuff it, to build a list, which I think is a great source of leads for any business. The one thing that's worked better for me than anything else is to have a focused, narrow position to teach people based on the expertise I've built up around that positioning, which is, uh, you know, positioning and, <laughs> and lead generation. That those are sort of my, my two core expertise. And after I teach people, either by appearing on a podcast or doing a class in person or whatever it is, to send people to a specific lead magnet, I, I use an email course, that has done more to grow my list and bring leads for me and that's a whole other subject because uh, I think a lot of advice about doing content marketing is wrong. <laughs> it's built, it, you know, it, it has this idea that content marketing should attract traffic. It can do that. But I think what's, what's better is for content marketing to be a call to action that you send people to after you do something like, you know, a podcast guest appearance or a teaching event or a lunch and learn that you, that you host at your office or something like that. So we won't, won't have time to get into that, but that's the best I can do to sum up that, that blog was, post. That was good. And your best lead magnet thus far has been the email course then? Yes. Cool. Wow. That's what I was curious about. Okay, Philip, thank you so much for being on the show. Can you tell everybody how to contact you, where to find your book, and how much it is? Absolutely. So there's just three things in order of importance. The least important Go to Google, search for Philip Morgan and the word positioning. You'll see I own the entire front page of Google for that search. Wow. And to me, that's just a testament to the power of choosing a narrow focus. The second thing is my book, The Positioning Manual for Technical Firms, which you can go to at uh, thepositioningmanual.com. And the book is $49. The last thing is the reason I'm here and what I think is going to be most beneficial to people is to learn a little more about positioning for themselves. So I would send them to an email course. It's a free email course I've created. You can do it in a week. It's called positioningcrashcourse.com and it will teach you about how to use positioning for your own business. And then you can kind of try it out. You know, you don't have to make any changes. Just take the crash course and see if it's for you. And that email course is not just for tech companies. Is that a general email course? All the, so all the examples are for technical companies like uh -huh. software developers, et cetera. Uh -huh. But concepts, I think, are generally applicable. Yeah, so, like everything in this conversation was completely applicable to everyone. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so I'd encourage people to check that out. All right, Philip. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Lindsay, it was so fun to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. 
Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Traffic and Leads podcast. Until next time, I'm One Click Lindsay from trafficandleads.com, where the solution to your slow growth is just one click away. You've been listening to the Traffic and Leads podcast, featuring online marketing expert One Click Lindsay. Tune in each week to experience Lindsay's unique gift for helping entrepreneurs and small business owners accelerate the growth of their business by strategically getting them more traffic and powerful leads. To make sure you don't miss a single business building show, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes and OneClickLindsay.com. If you know someone who would benefit from more traffic and leads, please tell them about the Traffic and Leads podcast. And finally, to learn more about working with Lindsay and her dedicated team of marketing experts, please visit OneClickLindsay.com. Now go and implement what you've learned. And we'll see you next week for another episode of the Traffic and Leads podcast. And remember, the solution to your slow growth is just one click away.